Hello and welcome to Social Distance, Drive Time Radio. Jim? Next up, James Hamblin, a doctor who says showering will kill you. <laughs> Dr. Hamblin. Um, can I be the caller? That's what I've been up to. Bring, bring. <laughs> yeah. Bring, bring. Hi, hi. How can I help you? Dr. Hamblin, um, this is Catherine. I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York. I have a question for you. I got a coronavirus test a week ago Monday, and I got the results back this week, and I have some questions about how to interpret them. Caller, do you have a question for Dr. Hamlin about showering and why it'll kill you? It's not about showering. It's about my coronavirus test results, oh, which I'd like I, to discuss with him. Actually, Gene, I'd like to take this one. Um, can I ask why you got the, the test were you so sick? I was not sick. I was going to go stay with some friends, and I want to make sure that I didn't, you know, infect them asymptomatically. Um, so I got that. And also, I'm getting texts from the city of New York that's like, get tested, get tested. A couple of weeks ago, they, you know, it was like, we want everyone to be tested. Oh. So I went in. I got the tests. And there were signs posted all over the clinic that were like, Minimum seven days to get your test results back. And I was talking to the doctor and I was like, well, what's the point? And he was like, I know labs are all backed up. It's a mess. Yeah. So anyway, I did get my test results back, but it was too late. I went and saw my friends anyway, which was, I know, very bad. Oh, and no. so I'm feeling guilty about having gone anyway. And then I also am feeling guilty about wasting a test because mm -hmm. there are people who really need it and there's a backlog. And I just like wanted to be extra safe. And I was, it didn't even do anything for me. And now maybe that could have been someone else's test result who actually needed it. So, Wait, so you got the, the test for the virus and the test for the antibodies. It, you got both the results at the same time? Yes. And so and it took a week. Let's see. I got the results eight days after I, yeah, eight yeah. days later. So basically... You know, we're we're thinking right now that if people are, are having symptoms, um, you know, by eight days later, they're very unlikely to be um, still in a contagious phase. At least for most respiratory illnesses, that would be, you know, well beyond. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really pretty worthless, but interesting nonetheless. What were the results? Okay. Nasal swab PCR. What does PCR mean? Uh, polymerase chain reaction. So... Um, that's when you're you're looking for some sort of uh, DNA or RNA, and you might find a tiny, tiny bit of it uh, on the end of that swab, and then you have to kind of uh, amplify it in order to actually detect it and make sure that's indeed what it is, because it's so, so, so tiny. We need to, you know. So PCR is just one of many kinds of tests, or like it's that, the, the way we detect everything. Um, that's kind of a gold standard. Like if you if you've found the DNA or RNA of a uh, of a microbe, then mm -hmm. you know you've found it. Um, okay. But it it takes time to confirm that, and you can obviously easily miss it if you swabbed and you right. happen to not catch any on that right. swab. Yeah. Right. Um. All right. You ready? Uh. Value not detected. For you, so yeah, you weren't having any symptoms. We, you hadn't recently had any high risk 
contacts. Right. Wouldn't expect it. You'd have it. It would be surprising. Yeah, I didn't expect to have it. Right. Okay, so let's do the antibody one. I also got that. COVID-19, blood IgG antibody. Value? Okay, so first, before I say this, well, I'm just going to say it, and we can talk later about my dumb thoughts. Value, negative. Oh, man. I really was hopeful that I... Well, no, that's fine. Yeah. It doesn't surprise... Like, I've been hearing from people who've had them, who've had a positive test and been, like, sheltering in place assiduously and not, like, not left the house and don't know how it happened. Um, So nothing would surprise me at this point. But yeah, would have been nice, right? Yeah, I have more thoughts about this, but I'm going to save them. Because I think one thing when I got this back, like I've been trying to read about, you know, there have been so many confusing incremental news updates about antibodies and what they mean and do they mean immunity and also could you be immune even if you test negative for antibodies and like oh antibodies fade over the course of three to six months or maybe never but maybe that's a problem but maybe that's not you know that's like how i've internalized the news updates but but i want to understand more because it seems very complicated and not straightforward at all i guess i failed in my explanations um, You're not a failure, Jim. But, well, I'm. What I am is not an immunologist. I right. just you know, talk to a lot of immunologists. Well, I think maybe we should talk to an actual immunologist. Yeah. We're going to call Dr. Lisa Butterfield, who is in fact an immunology researcher. She works on cancer vaccines and cell therapies, but recently she's been writing about COVID and the immune system. Uh, so I think she will be able to explain. Good morning. Lisa Butterfield here. Hi, Lisa. This is Catherine. Hi, this is Jim. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Sure. My pleasure. Um, could I have you introduce yourself to the audience? My name is Lisa Butterfield. I'm a tumor immunologist. I work in cancer immunotherapy, and I'm a vice president at the Parker Institute for Cancer Immunotherapy and also an adjunct professor at University of California, San Francisco. And... So are you in San Francisco right now? Yes. How are things in California? You know, I was really proud of California uh, early on that uh, we moved quickly. And so it's, um, it's really, really disappointing and, and, um, uh, and, and a terrible thing to see this virus just spread like wildfire uh, through the state, you know, with only, you know, a delay compared to uh, what you all went through um, in New York. It's, it's distressing that we didn't learn from the experience you had when you didn't know anything. We at least had some more advanced warning and we weren't able to implement best practices and keep them up in order to stop the spread. Well, um, we've been thinking and watching, so I hope, hope y'all are taking care of yourself out there. Um, one question I have just out of curiosity, are you uh, the type of scientist who who always figured a pandemic was around the corner, or are are you the type that really never thought it could get to this level? I'm I'm not surprised, um, given you know the signals we've seen from around the globe, where humans have increasingly encroached on natural areas and are exposed to more things that are able to jump species. I'm uh, I'm I'm not too surprised. I'm uh, um, I watch a lot of zombie movies, so I'm just relieved it's not the zombie apocalypse yet. 
Why do you watch zombie movies, can I ask? What, what draws you to them? I like horror movies and I like solving mysteries. And so it's like health and solving a health mystery in the setting of a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. There are tropes here from, from sci-fi. I've heard a lot of people are noting that they seem to be coming true in real life, or at least among the public, some of the only exposure to the idea of what a pandemic could look like uh, had come through movies like Contagion and Outbreak. But no one has become a zombie, to our knowledge. Although there are um, some neurological effects uh, that have been observed uh, in with COVID infections. So, you know, it gives one pause nonetheless. Yeah. Oh, my God. Actually, that, oh my God. that is an, uh, no. kind of an interesting transition to uh, immunology, right? That things like that, the, the various patterns of symptoms of how this can affect people in so many different ways is because of people's immune responses vary in so many different ways. Absolutely. I directed a laboratory that does immune profiling in patients enrolled in clinical trials. And just looking at, uh, at numbers, people can have two to five-fold different numbers of different immune cells in their circulation. So you and I could have five times different numbers of T cells, white blood cells in the circulation, and be perfectly healthy, but be that different. And, and when you look at function, people who have low frequencies of a white blood cell called a natural killer cell had high activity, but people with high frequencies had less activity. So yeah. there's a, enormous variation. Can I ask you, um, so Jim's a doctor. I'm kind of the opposite of a doctor, whatever that would be. The inverse. Yeah. The inverse. Um, could you give me a little bit of a, as simple as possible, an explanation of how the immune system works? Because I just heard <laughs> T cells. I just heard killer cells. Can you explain the solar system? <laughs> You know, I think I get antibodies. There's been a lot of, you know, discussion of antibodies in relation to this pandemic. But then I keep reading things that are like, actually, there's T cells and B cells and killer cells and all of this is, and I just get lost. So could you give me a little orientation? Sure. Happy to. Yeah, the immune system is beautiful in its complexity and specificity. And so it makes it uh, challenging to talk about um, in any detail. We also love our jargon. Right. Um, in immunology. Right. Um, so the immune system is there to protect us from infection and the things we will encounter in the environment. And there are cells and molecules in the blood that are ready to immediately react when they detect something. Um, and they detect common patterns across different types of bacteria and viruses. Um, and then the more specific part of the immune system kind of takes about a week to ramp up, you know, so that's why you might get sick first, but then you clear the infection. And so you have some immediate effects because the immune system needed a week to ramp up. If you have a vaccination, you've prepared the specific part of the immune system. And so you can not even get sick because you've laid the groundwork for a very quick response instead of needing a week. So you jump to that weekend. Correct. With a vaccine. Got it. I think I've used this sort of um, really well-stated uh, metaphor before that you have like you have this innate immediate response that's like the townsfolk grabbing their pitchforks and torches and immediately responding to this invasion. And then you, uh, about a week later, have the sort of the Navy SEALs who are really efficient at fighting 
some invasion and they come later, but they hang out afterwards. Right, right. So the antibodies are the week later response. Is that right? Yeah. So that specific response of the Navy SEALs that shows up a week later, um, you know, the immune system starts to see what's going on and then it, it harnesses often two two other parts of then that specific immune system, the T cell and, and the B cell. And so the B cell makes the antibodies and those are free floating proteins floating around the, uh, the blood looking for that thing that they're specific to. So, so that our hope for the antibody part is that they'll stick to the outside of the virus and block that part that interacts with the rest of the body that allows the infection to take place. So if we've got neutralizing antibodies, we neutralize the infection and the ability for the virus to get in to any of the other cells in the body. Uh, That might sound like jargon to some people, but that is a super important distinction. No, I'm uh, (laughs) justifying the... um, uh, you, when I read about science, I have to justify anytime I'm using like some term like neutralizing antibodies yeah. or whatever. But we, it's really important that everyone understand that that you can have antibodies that bind to a virus that are not neutralizing, and the virus is still able to to bind to your body's cells and do harm. And then you can have neutralizing antibodies like you're discussing, and those those are super effective. And that is our hope that that is what we are seeing in the antibody tests. But we don't know. And yeah, there are diseases like HIV where you have antibodies, but you don't, you know, clear the virus. They are Navy SEALs, but sometimes the virus just sort of has, like, bulletproof armor is actually, you know, I guess it's a metaphor, so we could say it's a, an invader, like a zombie or something, and the, the Navy SEALs just cannot neutralize this thing. Yeah, yeah, they, they fire all their bullets, and it keeps coming. Yeah, they've correctly mm-hmm. identified it, at least, though. Um, hmm. Bleak? Yeah. So, I got an antibody test uh, recently, and it came back negative. Does that mean I don't have the neutralizing antibodies? Does it mean I don't have any antibodies at all? So it, you know, if the test was conducted properly, it answers the question it asked. And it may have asked the total antibodies, has your body seen this virus and had an antibody response of any kind? So it could be that question, um, in which case sounds like you haven't seen the virus. Or it could have specifically asked, if you saw the virus, did you come up with that really effective antibody response? Mm-hmm. Um, most of the tests I'm aware of ask the, have you seen the virus at all? Total antibody question. What's your sense right now about how, how likely it is that those would be neutralizing antibodies? So the data I'm aware of thus far says that if you have positive total antibodies, that some of those antibodies really will be the good neutralizing effective antibodies. Then it's how much. Are there enough of them and are they going to hang around long enough to protect you? And that's the next part of the mystery we have to solve. But we are not seeing clearly frequently cases of reinfection, right? Correct. So when you take antibodies, just whatever's floating around the serum in that patient from someone who who got really sick, cleared the virus, then we know they had it, they had a serious infection, and they generated a bunch of antibodies in their serum. If we transfer that serum to someone else, 
um, it seems to help. So, um, yeah, I agree that the data suggests the antibodies are being generated and they're helping people. When do we think we could say, okay, yes, having antibodies at this level actually means you're immune? Well, we've got, you know, certainly, you know, hospitals and universities and, and different companies are, are testing, you know, all the time. We, you know, we need a really coordinated testing effort to collect the data. And, you know, if we, if our hope is that antibodies could protect you for a year, um, you know, kind of like a, an influenza vaccine is thought to protect you for that year's flu. Um, you know, then we're a year from starting to collect the data to having so, so much exposure opportunity that we think we have an answer. Got it. So we're not going to, we'll, we'll continue being uncertain for a while, but it's not like we're going to know this immediately. Can I also ask one other thing I've been reading about the idea that you lose these antibodies over time? I mean, I see a lot of fear when people are like, oh, the antibodies after three or six months like are, are down. What does that mean? So the data show that there is a decline um, in, in what was measured um, over time. And, and that's normal to an extent. You, you know, the immune system uh, regulates itself. Um, and so you get some sort of infection, you get those early responders, the, the villagers with the pitchforks trying <laughs> to start stop something initially. Thank you for indulging Jim's metaphor. <laughs> then, then the Navy SEALs came in after a week, and they really specifically targeted exactly what the problem was. And then the problem goes away, the infection goes away, and villagers go back to their lives. They, they already went back to their lives when the Navy SEALs showed up. And now yeah. the Navy SEALs go back to headquarters and wait for the next uh, problem. And the village goes back to normal life. So, you know, you might, you might leave a, a couple, um, you know, a couple Navy SEALs there just in case. Something yeah. Or do they have happen. like them on speed dial now? Do the villagers yeah. have the Navy SEALs on speed dial, even if they're not there anymore? Yeah. And, and so that's normal. When you've cleared the infection, you know, instead of having 100 Navy SEALs, you, you leave one. Keep an eye yeah. out for a while. Right. Right. Um, so it doesn't, losing antibodies doesn't necessarily mean you've lost the ability to fight off the virus. Yeah, it varies with the virus. So if the virus mutates like influenza, then, you know, having a Navy SEAL left for last year's virus, he's not ready for this year's virus. So there can be virus changes and you need a whole new immune response to it. Or it could be like this, where maybe the virus stays the same, but our immune response wanes from being potent to being pretty good, to being good, to being okay, to being inadequate. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know at what point yet it becomes inadequate. And then when you think about a vaccination, maybe you just get a boost and then you sort of remind. So, you know, like the right. shingles vaccine, your mm -hmm. immune system is thought to kind of forget and get old and, and not as effective by around 50, I'm dismayed to say. Um, <laughs> and so you need to start reminding your immune system. Mm -hmm. Remember, mm -hmm. remember about chicken pox? Well, you forgot. So here's a booster. So you don't get shingles. Got it. Got it. We both had shingles in our 20s. Yikes. We did. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yikes is right. That's one of Jim's favorite words. Anyway, um, here's a question. 
Is there anything that I, as a layperson, should understand or that would be helpful for me to understand about T-cells, B-cells, and killer cells that would help me understand what's going on with coronavirus? Well, I, I really like T-cells, so I'd be pleased well, let, to... Well, then uh, let's talk about them. <laughs> so T-cells are great. They can help an immune response, help shape it um, and push it in one direction or another. They talk to uh, B-cells and help the B-cells make good antibodies. And then the other half of uh, T-cells are killer uh, T-cells. And so their big role here is to kill and eliminate virus-infected cells. So we can block the virus with antibodies, and that can help clear the virus out. But once the virus has infected one of our body cells, we need killer T cells to be activated to get rid of that virus-infected cell. So killer cells are a subtype of T cells? Yes. What are they in the metaphor? Um, they're some of the uh, some of the Navy SEALs. So you know, the Navy SEALs run in and, you know, maybe some of them are uh, planting uh, explosives in different areas. And, and some of them are getting on top of buildings to be sharpshooters. There, there are different skill sets among the Navy SEALs. And so we need, uh, so the B cells are making antibodies. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe they're the archers. Maybe they're the archers that are sending arrows, antibody arrows, um, and then the uh, the sharpshooters or the the T cells. Got it. I really appreciate you accommodating this metaphor, which I imposed <laughs> on you, and which may be far <laughs> far afield from what you would actually have, have uh, how you would actually frame it. Is there anything else that we like? What are you? What is the mystery to you of coronavirus as someone who thinks about this all the time? Well. Um, well, there's something that's the most distressing uh, to me. The, the thing I worry about uh, the most um, it, uh, are, are long-term effects of the virus that we're just starting to see. I, I was you know, hoping, like all of us were hoping, it was going to be a bit more analogous to um, you know, an upper respiratory tract infection um, mm -hmm. that would stay in one place, do one thing, and be cleared. And that's not how this is going. So um, this is affecting a lot of different organ systems, and it's leaving people with residual effects, even after they've gotten rid of all signs of the virus. Yeah. So when you deploy military into a small village to uh, defend it, there are sometimes problems with that. The deployment <laughs> itself creates issues. It might be overall good. You want the Navy SEALs there, but it's obviously a very difficult thing to do, right? Is that, um, you know, that there... It... Jim's lost the thread. So how about how about this? So if it's a world war, um, you know, the Navy SEALs come in and, you know, some buildings get blown up, but the buildings can be rebuilt. So part of the time is taking time to rebuild the building. So you've got some tissue destruction and that tissue has to sort of regrow and some cells divide and kind of fill in and, and you can heal yourself. But then years later, you realize that all of those um, munitions, all the bombs and things made the ground toxic. And so now it turns oh. out you can't just rebuild the buildings. You've poisoned the ground. You've uh, created uh, some zombies, possibly. 
<laughs> oh my god, this is really scary. So just to clarify one thing about these tests. So the test results that test for antibodies are not testing for T-cells, which could actually have some Navy SEAL-like properties? Correct. So we're just starting to publish papers, you know, we being immunologists with uh, friends in the clinic. Um, first, we had to figure out how to identify a virus-specific T-cell. We had to figure out which Navy SEAL was looking for the virus and not looking for something else. Um, so right. now we can do that in a number of cases. And so now we can start pulling those cells out and looking for them, counting them, and looking at their uh, activity. So we're, we're just now able to be able to study those virus-specific killer T cells. Well, that's a bit of hope, right? I mean, people were seeing these antibodies waning and starting to panic. And um, that's not the only part of the puzzle is what you're saying. And you know, there are other things that could help a person, even if antibodies wane. Absolutely. Well, and that's part of the excitement about some of these early data from the vaccines, because these vaccines are designed to activate both, to create antibodies and to activate killer T cells. So, so that I think is a positive early sign for some of the vaccines. Um, and, you know, but that's something that we've learned along the way is how to activate both um, types of immune response at the same time. Um, antibodies and T cells. So I think we can do that with these vaccines. We don't know how good or how effective yet, but it's very encouraging they can do both. And so if we can block infection and clear out infected cells at the same time, that's going to be good and that's going to stop some of the damage. So, you know, there won't be all of those munitions poisoning the ground and all of those homes blown up. There'll be, you know, a couple select homes that go because that's where all the virus was. And then, you know, maybe the Navy SEALs will leave earlier and we won't have as much uh, to rebuild. Just a few zombies wandering in and out occasionally. One or two, you know, yeah. they're okay. You, you work it out. Yeah. And I'm we get to know the, Oh, that's now just I know Steve. What... He's, uh, <laughs> he's undead, but he's, he means no harm. Yeah. I'm going to have the worst nightmare of my life tonight. Um, Sorry, that wasn't like my a, goal. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I actually, I this is so helpful. I and I am just in awe of what immunologists do. Um, so thank you for explaining such a complex thing in such an understandable way. But I will have a nightmare tonight. It's like it's in a feudal village, and there are these villagers with pitchforks. But then the Navy SEALs come in, and then. <laughs> But then there are zombies and the ground is toxic. Uh, but really, the at the end, I felt better, but I couldn't tell why. Anyway, um, thank you so much for yeah, for you. this. This is just helpful. incredibly helpful. Sure, sure. Any is that have I covered it? Um, are all the the mysteries of the immune system now unlocked <laughs> and accessible? No, I feel like we're going to have to talk to you. Again, unfortunately, <laughs> we may we may have to have you yeah, back. If you wouldn't mind, maybe an update down the road. <laughs> it's a good start. A good start. Okay. okay, good. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Sure thing. Have a good day. You too. Take care. Talk Bye. to you later. Bye-bye. Caller, did you have a question uh, uh, for Dr. Hamblin about uh, showering? Um. <laughs> um no, no, no further questions for Dr. Hamblin, but uh, I would like to say that this show, 
was produced today by Kevin Townsend. That you can write us at social distance at theatlantic.com or you can call Jim at 202-642-6487. And as always, the best way to support this show and uh, to get access to all of The Atlantic's journalism is with a subscription. Theatlantic.com slash support us is how we know you came from the podcast. I will talk to you next week. See ya. Okay. Bye. Bye.